0: Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth, but no
1: toothbrush. I don't need to buy that. Oh, a wall strip. Thing. I'm a newspaper uniform, man. And I do
0: believe I want some candy. Ah. I, do it. I don't
1: want to. What's wrong? What's wrong? I'm a little bit of a lie. I'm funny how. I mean, funny like I'm. A- Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday!
0: I didn't ask for a shrink. That must have been somebody else. Also, that pudding isn't mine. Also, I'm wearing this suit today because I had a very important meeting this morning, and I don't have a crying problem. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Little Marty, the only podcast that I'm aware of dedicated to covering the works of Martin Scorsese and Adam Sandler, Hubie Halloween himself. My name is... Is Eric Halloween,
1: and my name is Jeremy, the butcher. Welcome to our program.
0: I was just thinking about this, Jeremy, because it is—I mean, when you're hearing this, it will be October, but it—it's it, basically October right now. You know, basically, September 29th, sure. and yeah. I mean, is Hubie the Santa Claus of Halloween? <laughs> I mean Halloween's got a lot of little like characters, you know, but Hubie Halloween seems to really be the like you know the the the, the human embodiment of, of Halloween.
1: That's a great point. And I do think that like it also has the staying power of Santa Claus, you know? Like I think kids our yes. our kids and our kids' kids are gonna be talking about how Hubie Halloween comes up through the garden, uh uh ground the dirt and like leaves them gifts. Sure. Up on top of their yeah. roof or something. You little know? thermoses yeah, little
0: filled thermoses. with... Uh, filled with soup. You know, candy. <laughs> yeah, soup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's weird. Like once... I don't know how it is in LA right now, but like once the leaves have started to change and I feel that crisp air, I can't um, help but think... Yes. Like the first thought that enters my mind is like, damn... I got some movies to watch this month, Oh, yeah. and I'm excited about it.
1: Well, speaking of movies, Eric, that is what we're here to discuss, but over on another website called patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy, we actually are doing movies there as well. In fact, we're doing a whole movie month filled with witches.
0: Wait a minute. It, this is like a witch-themed month. Mm-hmm that we're doing? We
1: are doing that, On a website
0: called Patreon?
1: (laughs) On a website called patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy, you can find a bunch of uh, Halloween-themed witch film content that we're starting all through the month of October. Movies like Witches, uh... Mm -hmm. We haven't really decided which ones else, so I don't want to throw them out there, but there's a ton of movies about witches, and we're going to be covering a handful of them. Um, And this week, uh, we uh, we, we, we covered the 1990 classic Witches, starring Angelica Houston, which is a uh, a gosh darn gem of a film. So if you want to head over there and uh, give us a little money, moolah, you can uh, keep up to date with all the bonus content we do for this show.
0: Um, you know, Jeremy, speaking of content for this show, this is something that I, I guess I should, I, I should ask you this off air cause it's not something I can share with the listening audience, but, uh, did dad where his glasses Happen to, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> send you his, his car, mm-hmm. what he did with his car? Mm-hmm. What a baller move.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. He anyway, showed that to me and um, immediately
1: I was like. Have you shown Eric? And he was like, "Not yet." And I was like, "You gotta show Eric right away."
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so pr- props to Dad. Dad wears glasses. Uh, nobody's movies. gonna know what what we're talking about here. Well, but uh, should
1: follow Dad wears glasses on Twitter, and then Dad wears glasses. If you're listening, you should post that picture.
0: Yeah, I would say what it is, but I I feel like that would be doxing.
1: Yeah, uh, it would him. be. It would be a little uh, it so might be a so I'll HIPAA leave it violation. to his
0: you know discretion to to, to post. Such personal information on the internet, uh, but yeah. So we are uh, we are covering. This is like a weird stretch of the main show because we're we're covering two incredible movies. We just did After Hours, which we both very much enjoy, and we had we had talked about After Hours on another podcast on Double Double Feature Feature, uh, and now we're talking Punch Drunk Love, which we have covered before. In our Paul Thomas Anderson, co- Anderson coverage, like, Not that probably yeah. around a year ago.
1: Oh, I guess it might have been a year ago at this point. Yeah. Well, it's an exciting title to revisit. And I also, I I do want to say that I very much enjoy revisiting movies with you. Because I think it's very rewarding to go back. Even though we just did it for the show about a year ago, you know, this, this, this particular film is something I feel like I can watch at least once a year. And it not get old. Um, I'm very much in love with uh, Punch Drunk Love. I'm Punch Drunk Love. I'm Punch Drunk in love with it. Um, But, Eric, this is also a a, a fantastic week to be covering a Paul Thomas Anderson movie in light of the trailer that dropped for Licorice Pizza. Have you watched this yet?
0: Um, Yes. And I, you know what? I, I, I actually, I was surprised because I... I was surprised that Paul Thomas Anderson changed the name again because I I, I, I knew the film as the original title, which was uh, Red Vine Kelzone. <laughs> <laughs> no, is it? Wasn't it? For a while, the rumor was that it was going to be called like the Soggy Bottom Boys or something.
1: I think it was just going to be called Soggy Bottom.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Well. I definitely like Licorice Pizza a lot more than Soggy Bottom. Also, Licorice Pizza is apparently uh, what pe- what people uh, call records, albums. So it's like a music-related film. What do you think of that trailer, my dude?
1: I mean, I got to say, I was enthralled right from the get-go. I immediately, visually, it looks absolutely stunning. The performances look like they're going to be just so much fun to get into that Bradley Cooper character. I can't wait. Um, I was a little surprised to see Sean Penn in the movie. Um, as you know, and as listeners of this show probably know I, I work for Sean Penn's organization and have like spent the pretty good amount of time with Sean Penn <laughs> in the recent past. <laughs> and uh, like, it 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 now it's it's gotten to the point where I think I've been around Sean so much that I'm not able to quite see him. It'd be like if you showed up in the movie, Eric. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know how it would just right. take you out for a minute. You'd be like, "Oh, there's that guy I know." <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it looks like he's having a lot of fun in that movie, uh, and I was very heart. Uh, my heart was full to realize that. Uh, Cooper Hoffman, who looks like he's playing the lead, is Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Did you know this, Eric?
0: No. Interesting.
1: Yeah, the lead, like the lead kid is his son. And as we all know, uh, Paul, uh, has had this like love affair with Philip Seymour Hoffman for almost his entire career until Phil- Philip Seymour Hoffman's passing. And um, it must have felt like a really incredible thing to be on set with... For both of them, you know, to be working alongside each other professionally like that, uh, a director of that caliber and the son of an act- actor who's like, who's, yeah. Anyways, I just, I, I'm, I'm very enthralled with the film and I'm interested to see it. I really hope it's good. Um, it looks like it's also a little bit of a return to form to like maybe some of his Boogie Nights um, Magnolia time yeah. filmmaking although
0: i was actually just going to say it's funny that you say that because uh, i'm i've kind of just like wa- rewatching the trailer on pause right around uh, a mute right now yeah. and visually it reminds me of inherent vice and the master like right. i see those two movies in the in the, so but now that you say boogie nights and magnolia i'm like oh yeah i see that too it's it, interesting it is can,
1: interesting yeah i think that um i I don't want it to be like inherent vice, but I also kind of got that feeling too a little bit (laughs) like, you know, um, it could go either way. I'm hoping it's a more traditional story. You know, I feel like I, it's been a while since we've seen PTA do a traditional story. Like that was just played kind of straight. and since he's working with like, it looks like an original text for this one. Like he's a, he wrote it himself. Um, You know, as opposed to adapting a work of Pinchon or something, like hopefully we're going to get something that's a little bit more, I don't know, you know, traditional, uh, which I feel like is something that I want from him at this point. You know, we've seen these big bombastic character pieces with the master and Phantom Thread and there'll be blood. And I really I think it would be nice to see something that's a little bit more homegrown. You know, even if it is dealing with celebrity and pop stars and stuff, and Barbra Streisand, or is it Streisand? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking it could be really cool to see him do something a little more traditional. But yeah, I mean, Benny Safdie's in the movie. We got Maya Rudolph in there. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It's gonna be great.
0: Yeah. Yes. And then we, if you are, uh, you know, if if you have not tuned into our Patreon, we did a bunch of supplemental material for Paul. Thomas Anderson. One of the uh, episodes we did was like all of the Heim music yeah. videos, and Alana yeah. Heim is 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 the. I don't know if she's the lead or the co you know co lead right. in this. It seems like she's just like the lead person, but um, yeah. Uh, it 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 looks very good. I'm excited, and this comes out in like November or something, doesn't it?
1: Right. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah, we're gonna have to do an episode. We're gonna have to do. We're pretty much committed to doing new uh, episodes of new movies from directors that we've covered, with the exception of Paul W. S. Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm. I think I'm done with that guy.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. We don't need. We don't need any more uh, Monster Hunter Two or whatever his next thing is gonna be. But um i yeah, will say they like
0: four years from now we're, we're we're talking about death race four
1: yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> that might give us just enough time though um i will say too that like uh, uh kind of a funny also a little funny um i don't know uh, addendum to this whole thing is that ben platt who is an actor in the movie um Dear Evan Hansen has been getting a lot of flack on Twitter, people making fun of how he looks in that in that film where he's supposed to play a high school kid, uh, and he looks clearly way, way older than a high school student. I don't know if you've seen this, Eric. Have you seen this, heard about this? Uh, I have not. Okay, so you might not be on Twitter as much as me these days. but No, one I, of the, almost not at all. One of the big jokes around Twitter, and you should look it up, pictures of Ben Platt. Um, in Dear Evan Hansen, okay. he looks like just like clearly an old dude, like a twenty-eight-year-old dude playing a high school kid, um, and clearly not pulling it off.
0: <laughs> okay, wow.
1: <laughs> and uh, and I will say uh, the thing that people keep bringing up on Twitter is Alana Haim or Haim is twenty-nine years old playing what is I think supposed to be a high school kid, uh, yeah. but looks very much like she could be in high school. <laughs> so I do, it seems like she's not quite getting the flack uh for licorice pizza that that uh that old Ben Platt is getting, which has right. got to feel very insane for Ben Platt who is younger than a lot of him. Yeah.
0: Um Interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at this and, yeah, people are people are really freaking out about this guy. I mean, this has been a thing in movies for forever is, like, people, you just kind of accept that, like, the actors are, like, 20 years older, you know, than, like, actually being in high school. I mean, watch Dazed and Confused for, like, five minutes. There's, like, everyone in there. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it that is interesting that, like, they chose to pick on that this Ben Platt guy. Cause I swear there's like almost never like high school age people playing high schoolers in
1: movies. Right. Right. I mean, it's strange. I think, I think lately they've been trying to fix that a little bit with the shows like euphoria that has a pretty young cast. I know, but it's tricky because you want to cast. If you want to show any kind of like, I feel like sex or drug use and you're using p- actors who are supposed to be in high school, well, if you want to put them in those positions, you definitely ethically should probably cast at least 18 and up. Um, but, you know, then you start to run the risk of, well, they're not really the same age as the people that they're portraying and blah, blah, blah. So it's, I mean, I get that it's tricky, but Ben Platt is, it's it's funny because he's so, you know, some people just age differently than others, right? Like Alana Himes looks like very convincingly she could be 17 or 18 years old um at twenty nine. But Ben Platt, however, is like not convincing anyone and the internet has spoken. <laughs> um and uh yeah, it's it, it Hollywood's weird. I'll say that. Hollywood's weird. Hot oh, yeah. hot take.
0: Um Jeremy, before we dive in uh to punch drunk love, I'd like to bring I'd like to resurrect a a game that, that we played, you know, probably been a little while since we played this game but it's it's a fun one to do once in a while cuz we are covering Adam Sandler and Martin Scorsese. We're going to play a little game and I any board game uh creators out there please hit me up. I would love to turn this into into the next Boggle. It's a little game that I like to call Sandler or Scorsese. <laughs> yeah. So Jeremy, I'm going to read a quote. You got to tell me Sandler or Scorsese? Here we go. Uh, Let's see. I sang a song at my sister's wedding. My mother forced me into that too, but that one felt all right. That's kind of a weird quote. Scorsese? Adam Sandler. Okay. The wedding singer. Uh, Let's see. I grew up cursing a lot, it felt natural. my parents told me to stop.
1: <laughs> Scorsese.
0: Ah, it's Adam Sandler.
1: <laughs> this happened last time.
0: Um. Okay, this is from a website called Brainy Quote. Uh huh. And I think this is one of those where just anyone can add things. So who knows? Uh. uh but apparently, Sandler or Scorsese said the following. Girls are soft and pretty.
1: (laughs) Is this Scorsese?
0: It's Adam Sandler.
1: Oh my God. (laughs) This happened last time where every day I keep thinking you're going to trick me and it's going to be the Scorsese saying something out of character and it's always Sandler. Damn it.
0: Okay. We'll do one more. We'll do one more. Uh, I don't think there's a subject matter that can't absorb 3D. That can't tolerate the addition of depth as a storytelling technique. Oh my uh, that god. That one's too easy. That was Sandler. <laughs> Gotta be No, that's definitely Scorsese. Definitely Scorsese.
1: He really believes in three D. And
0: then And then one more. Human happiness and moral duty are inseparably connected. What? Human happiness and moral duty are insepar- That's <laughs> inseparably be Scorsese, connected. Right, <laughs> now it's George Washington.
1: Ah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> the wild anyway, card, George Washington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was another installment of Sandler uh, and Scorsese, or whatever I called it. Sandler You're going to see, you know, the families it should be the title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, we're I'm workshopping it. I got you know I we're doing some testing and uh, things are going poorly. So Jeremy, I, I would direct our listeners to if you want to hear a lot of the like, I don't know production facts and things, I would direct you to our first episode on Punch Drunk Love, in which, which was probably about a year ago, and we covered, uh, we, we were talking about it in, in through the light of uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, and we were watching all of his films chronologically, and we talked a lot about PTA. Um, and I was thinking, Jeremy, we, we, since this is now a Sandler podcast, we should kind of go through the film and with kind of a more of a focus on the Sandman this time, you know what I mean
1: I do I like that a lot, yeah, as opposed to kind of marveling at the filmmaking and the craft, which we kind of did that already, and you know it's very clear and apparent, I think it would be cool to uh yeah, I think it's a good idea,
0: yes, so p t just a few just a few tidbits though to get us going. Uh, PTA does refer to the film as an art house Adam Sandler film. I don't think there's any debating that. Uh, After the success of Magnolia, Anderson said that he would like to work, he would work with Sandler and that he was determined to make his next film 90 minutes long. Mission accomplished.
1: Yeah, it comes in at a cool 95 minutes which you love to see it.
0: Oh yeah. First Sandler film uh, to get a positive review from critic Roger Ebert.
1: Eh, that's silly. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Big Daddy at least should have gotten. I'm surprised Ebert didn't like that.
0: Um, Let's see here. What was the story behind, uh, we talked about this on the Little Nikki episode. Didn't PTA like visit the set of Little Nikki?
1: Yeah, he did. And that's how he... I mean, I think that's... Do you remember? I think he... Uh, so, I I mean, I don't remember the entire, every detail of the story, but he definitely visited the set of Little Nicky, and um, I can't remember what his inn was. I think he, like, knew somebody working on the film other than Quentin, and then, like, I think he met Sandler there, and then I think later, they had a conversation on the phone where he called Sandler and asked him to do a part in the movie, and I think, mm. like... I might be getting the order of this mixed up, but Sandler recalls that he had just watched Magnolia. And so when Paul Thomas Anderson asked him to do it, he goes, okay, but we're not going to do something like that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because Magnolia it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful film. It's incredibly dramatic and Mel and melodramatic and melancholy. And I think Sandler was afraid that he wouldn't be able to do that. Um, be in that kind of a, of a film and uh i think pta was a little bit more like no no no, no it's not gonna be like that you know <laughs> we're gonna gonna do this other like smaller story or whatever um but yeah i mean back in this era they were palling around all over town you know and and you know you got to speculate perhaps you know it was you know paul thomas anderson's marriage to maya rudolph is sort of, you know, he he has a, that connection into SNL, right? Mm-hmm. So, whether he met her maybe through hanging out with Sandler and some of that crew, or just being around LA, and you know that you know that him and Sandler have probably kept in touch, if for not oh. for no other reason. Just that they run in the same circles, right? His wife is an SNL alum. Sandler's an SNL alum, you know? They weren't exactly in the same generation, but they just just missed each other, I think, you know? So.
0: Um, So apparently, uh, I haven't found the full many details, but uh, apparently it is true that uh, uh, PTA... Not only visited the set of Little Nicky, but he visited the set of Little Nicky with Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> so there was like, I really want to know like what they were filming when Quentin Tarantino and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson showed up. Well, like is it the scene where Mister Beefy eats the pot brownies, or the uh, the scene where they're sticking a pineapple up Hitler's butt?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, th- from what I, I mean, from the story that i've heard paul tell on a podcast it was it was more like a surprise to Quentin that pta showed up on set like i think because i could i think Quentin had been planning on asking adam sandler to be in inglorious bastards which ah. he did ask him to do later and it fell ended up falling through um the part ended up going to like eli roth or something but uh but yeah um I, I I I kind of remember it being that the story was like he shows up and they're shooting the Quentin stuff where he's like the mad priest in Little Nicky.
0: Um, ah, got it.
1: But got I it. don't but I don't, you know, again though. It's it's people telling oh, stories Oh yeah, on I forgot podcasts. the quit.
0: Tarantino's in Little He's Nicky. in
1: Little Nicky, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> oh yeah, baby.
0: Man, how could I forget that? Um So Jeremy, let's go through this bad boy. We got a lot to talk about. Once again, we are watching Barry Egan, The Bachelor, owns a company that markets uh, themed toilet plungers and other novelty items. He's not the owner of the company, right? Why not? Because he's getting like... I didn't get the sense that he owns the company. It seems like Did his you?
1: struggling business.
0: Ah, but okay. maybe he is. Just I guess a that salesman. makes sense because he kind of gets like pushed around by everyone. Yeah. I just kind of assume that he doesn't own the company. It could be but, a
1: chain, right. you know. But he definitely feels like he's the boss of that area of that of that. Got it. Store.
0: Uh, he has seven overbearing sisters who ridicule and emotionally abuse him regularly. So he leads. A lonely life punctuated by fits of rage and social anxiety. Hmm. Sounds familiar to me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) One day he witnesses an inexplicable car accident, picks up an abandoned harmonium from the street, and encounters Lena Leonard, a co-worker of Elizabeth, one of his sisters. Lena had orchestrated this meeting after seeing him in Elizabeth's family picture at work. So this is one of those Wikipedia plots where they... uh, Don't necessarily go in chronological Mm. order, which is fine. So we see uh yeah, we we get the car crash pretty early on and the harmonium mysteriously being dropped off. We get Lena showing up, gives him his key her keys.
1: The um so I guess we just want to cover like this whole beginning section of the film, so Mm. it's not a traditionally told narrative obviously you know it's you're watching something special right so you know it starts out with sandler on the phone talking about i believe this is the beginning of the pudding stuff right right away he's like yeah, asking yeah, about yeah. the the pudding stuff and then he's you know he hears a sound a mysterious sound he leaves his office he sees the car accident he gets the harmonium all of it very confusing like not Visually stunning, but I think, like, you're kind of wondering what's going on. What kind of a movie is I this? I still don't
0: get what the deal is with the car
1: accident. Yeah. Um, I I don't either um, at all, actually. It, it's like a robbery is taking place or something, and he kind of witnesses a crime, and the car accident is part of the chase, and they just drop off this harmonium. Mm. And, it's, and it's inexplicable, um, which is part of the charm of the film is that there's a lot of mystery in this movie. You know, is Emily Watson an alien? What's the deal with Philip Seymour Hoffman's character? Does he really walk all the way to wherever Philip Seymour Hoffman is to with the phone up to his ear? You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of mystery wrapped up in Punch Drunk Love, which I think is great but if you're if we're focusing on sandler's performance here i i think it's immediately he's a he's immediately identifiable as a bit of like a neurotic sort of beta male protagonist kind of guy like the type of guy that in 2002 i think i personally really identified with <laughs> as a as a high school kid who was like also felt like a bit of a loser you know and um, luckless in love and you know romantic but not quite sure how to show it he definitely has that sort of prepubescent vibe about him stunted in a way and i think you can tell that like right away from his performance and you know adam sandler's the kind of performer that it isn't really hard to see him go there like you you really believe it you know like seeing him Mm -hmm. play these roles like little nicky um specifically or the water boy stunted adults you know this this is like kind of par for the course for him, but we're seeing it in like a way new context uh that is a lot different than we've seen ever seen him before and um man and and then the other thing I'll just say about this opening sequence is whenever I turn this film on it's always amazing to me how young he looks in this movie
0: <laughs> yeah yeah he does he does look quite youthful uh in this film what did I'm trying to remember what was the Sandler movie we covered right before this? Was it Little Nicky? It was. Okay, interesting. Um, Barry goes to his sister's birthday party where they tease him about his sexuality leading to a serious outburst in which he breaks his sister's sliding glass door. Jeremy, you know, here's a tip for everyone. If you're out there and you're hanging out with people and you want to you want to really show off your um your taste, you know, your your exceptional taste in film, and uh, really just show that you're a film buff. Mm-hmm. Here's what you do, and this, the, you got to make sure that they're fans of cinema, because otherwise, this this will probably won't go over well. But you 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 pick up a a hammer, <laughs> and you just start smashing a sliding glass door.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> and then after you're done, just say, "Get it." <laughs> and the the real film buffs will will probably chuckle a little bit. If she
1: kicks you out, she obviously doesn't get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's not into good movies, so it's, you know, it's a waste break it of off. time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh I really like this <laughs> this scene. It's so funny and like just so it it's so crazy like how well Barry's character is set up and and you know, Part of that's the performance, part of that's the writing and it's just I think a lot of it is performance though. you just feel like almost like uncomfortable for this guy. you're like, oh man, he's going into this situation where he has like seven sisters.
1: Yeah, I love um, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Um, and one of the sisters by the way, Mary Lynn uh, Rajcuub is um, Racecub, yeah is um is a is a stand-up comedian actually in Los Angeles and has been cropping up on shows actually recently uh on lineups here and there throughout uh the different improvs and comedy stores and stuff and i've always um obviously admired her from this film being the the crazy one of the crazy sisters uh but i uh have recently kind of been interested in seeing what her stand up is like <laughs> so who knows maybe I'll go to a sh- maybe I'll catch a show sometime and see and see what it's all about
0: um yeah, I feel like I've watched some some of her stand up when she was like during the Mr. Show days and thought it was quite funny. Yeah, um, she
1: well, was she in Mr. Show, maybe she was. Yes. She's in so. she's also like like I I watched some of her stuff on YouTube and she's apparently an actress in a very famous show.
0: 24.
1: Yes, where she's actually known in that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, interesting.
0: Hm. Um after his outburst, he asks his brother-in-law to refer him to a therapist. And this is Harry Shearer, right?
1: Oh, no, it's um close. <laughs> sort of close. It's the uh the great uh Robert Smigel.
0: Oh, Robert Smigel. Why was I thinking Harry?
1: Harry Shear is the guy from The Simpsons and from the Christopher Guest movies, but uh, Robert Smigel is uh, the insult dog. What's his name? Yes. (laughs) Triumph. Triumph, the insult comedy dog. (laughs) Uh,
0: Instead, Barry calls a phone sex line to cope with his loneliness. Uh, The phone sex... By the way, when... um... (laughs) When he, when, when the brother-in-law, the, the, when he, like, Barry is, like, goes through this whole, he's, like, burying his, he's, like, finally telling someone about his, like, problems and, like, seeking help, and then the guy's response is just, Barry, I'm a dentist. I'm a
1: dentist, (laughs) yeah. It's such a bummer. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. The uh, the phone sex operator tries to extort money from him, then sends four henchmen, who are brothers, to collect. <laughs> uh, the com- this complicates his budding relationship with Lena, as well as his plan to exploit a loophole in a healthy choice promotion and amass a million frequent flyer miles by purchasing large quantities of pudding. Okay, so uh, the extortion thing is uh crazy. So he basically like kind of like lies to this woman and makes it seem as though he's successful and sort she proceeds, of. proceeds to Yeah, it's yeah.
1: weird. He he's it's, it's it was set it's set up from the jump as a scam and he kind of mm. just falls into it and because i guess he gave his credit card there's some it's it's a strange thing where i'm not sure why the character is so afraid of what they're going to do to him like just change your credit card i don't know you know i mean i don't i don't know
0: they also don't they ask for his social
1: they maybe they do and maybe they have that stuff and but but then yes then they do send the brothers after him which i got to say that's a lot of work to try to scam a guy but crazier things have happened i feel like this actually this kind of thing does happen in a smaller scale right like people get grifted all the time but yeah it the way it's happening here is is such a bummer for him because you really do feel bad for him when he's on the phone sex line originally you feel bad for him and then and then, of course, yeah, seeing how it comes back to kind of haunt him the next day. And and listening to her voice change on the phone is so, I don't know, traumatizing. Um, but yeah, he, he kind of keeps, you know, Barry's whole, ca- you know, the character of Barry is somebody who just doesn't deal with anything. He's trying to not deal with stuff constantly. He doesn't deal with the trauma that happened in his childhood. He doesn't deal with his sisters. He doesn't deal with, um his, the problems that he's having at work and he keeps r- retreating into himself and not being vulnerable not sharing what's going on um with other people uh and we see him try to do that and with with the dentist with Robert Smigel it doesn't work and yeah it's just it's just a bummer and I really I feel like a part of this movie is him eventually you know breaking out of his shell literally you know you know coming you know becoming a a man so to speak you know like kind of uh, learning how to protect himself and, and stand up for himself.
0: Yes, yes, indeed. You know, I hope one day I, I that will happen to me. It won't. Still wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Appreciate the honesty. Uh, okay, so we got all that stuffs going on, and then he uh, is basically starting to you know starting to see this Lena lady who is his sister's friend. Um, which is, I gotta say, one of my favorite just, like, on-screen romances. I like these two. I like Lena. Uh, Lena and Barry. Good, good combination. Um, and I I believe we, we have the, they have the date where they, Barry, uh, smashes up the bathroom. We find out that Barry has, like, a pretty short fuse. Um... But in a, like a very private way, <laughs> yeah. which is like really like just really again, uncomfortable and kind of sad that he it, j- just like I, what does she so Lena brings up like something about something his sister said about him that he's like embarrassed by. Yeah. and then he goes and just destroys the restaurant bathroom.
1: Yeah, he I think does she not bring up the window or just the Oh yeah 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 Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: He's anyway.
1: he's he's trying to like do that thing where he's like lying to make himself he's having a hard time being vulnerable and telling the truth. And he sort of like wants to really control the situation and like control what people know about him. And he's very embarrassed again of like letting people in, and I kind of feel like again this is like such a good choice, right? It's like all these choices are leading towards him eventually letting her in and letting letting her see his crazy, uh, mm-hmm. which is important. It's an important lesson, I think, in relationships, and it's a it's sort of a very mature take on a relationship, on a romantic comedy, which is, you know, it, it's the it's a you know in order to really do this the right way, you have to you have to let people in.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um this uh okay, complicates the relationship. Oh yes, and then uh we must discuss so this this, you know, frequent flyer mile sc- uh, scam. We we discussed on the previous episode uh Punch Drunk Love episode that this is based on a real uh thing. Um I guess. And uh yeah, I, Sandler also does a very good job of being um, of playing a character who is just like desperate <laughs> to, for like anything good right. to happen to him, and he's like so pumped that he's found this like weird loophole that he's just obsessive about it. Mm-hmm. And and just very I don't know, anal about it and it's it's really it's it's weird stuff. Yes. Um, but yeah. So Lena leaves for Hawaii on a business trip. Barry decides to follow her, using his sister to find Lena, who is overjoyed to see him. Yeah, I mean the, the payphone scene next to the parade is incredible. Uh when he's just screaming at his sister. Um, Such a yeah! I love that when <laughs> he finally like gets connected to Lena, there's like a noisy parade going on, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm in my hotel room." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he just like does these like weird little lies for no reason, really. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So the two spend time together in Hawaii. Barry's sister calls Lena, complain uh, complicating matters, but Lena lies. About having contact with Barry, uh, loyally preserving his and their privacy. Uh, Their romance develops further, leading to Barry's relief from emotional isolation he has endured. Uh, Any notable moments from the Hawaii?
1: The Hawaii stuff, I think, is the most beautifully shot stuff in the whole movie, probably. Mm. Like... I mean, you can see, like, on the Wikipedia, like, the cover of the film is from that stuff, the the airport scene, and yeah. just, like, Hawaii in general is so gorgeous, and this, and then, like, yeah, I, I don't know, I think this is the the real turning point for him, where he kind of comes out of his shell, and he's, he said, there's such a weirdo, and there's such weirdos in bed together, saying stuff like, I want to smash your face with a hammer and yeah. stuff, like, <laughs> yeah. it's it's so fun, and it's so great, it's so cool to see it happen, um and then of course yeah we get this really this really great end stuff coming up but I don't know. What's your take on the on the on the Hawaii stuff?
0: It's good. I think um you know I'm someone with with a with a lot of anxiety and various quirks uh you know some of which are maybe similar to 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 Barry and I find that when I am on a vacation I'm a, I'm a different person I'm a different guy my uh a uh, uh, little bit more at ease I feel like I feel like I I sense that with Barry's character like Barry is in a new place and maybe he like and he's in he, he's in a new place like emotionally and physically and right. he's experiencing a lot of very new things and I feel like when he's in Hawaii it it seems like he there's like a transformation finally happens where we're kind of seeing like up until Hawaii, we're seeing like old Barry um, just like struggling with like, it's almost like he he like falls in love with someone, which is like a a, a wonderful thing, but he's like so set in his ways and anxious and stuff that he can't allow himself to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And then when he goes to Hawaii, uh, and has like traveled this distance and is in, in this new place. Uh, it feels like the transformation kind of starts to happen because once he gets home, uh, he's he's uh, you know, he's a little bit different. So on the right. return trip, the four brothers ram Barry's car, a uh, mildly injuring Lena. After fighting all four brothers off the off with a tire iron, Barry leaves <laughs> Lena at the hospital and sets out to end the harassment. Um, yeah, I forgot about the tire iron. <laughs> scene. Oh, it's great. I forgot, like, how badly he beats the crap out of these guys. Oh, it's
1: great. Yeah, it's so good, and it's so justified, and you and you really get the sense that, like, <clears throat> I don't know, that he is really capable of now fixing his life, you know, and, and getting his life on track and, and standing up for himself to this crazy, I mean... Man, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays a crazy character in this movie. He's barely in it, but what he's in is just, he's scary. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. So he calls the phone sex line back and finds out the supervisor is the owner of a mattress store. Uh, Barry drives all the way to Provo, Utah to confront the owner, uh, Dean, face to face. At first trying to intimidate Barry, Dean finds him more intimidating once he learns that Barry has come all the way from California. Mm -hmm. Um, Barry returns home and goes to see Lena to explain why the accident happened. Uh, He begs for forgiveness, pledging his loyalty, uh, and to use his frequent flyer miles to accompany her on all future business trips after his pudding miles are processed. Uh, Lena confesses she was more upset at being left at the hospital but forgives him and they embrace happily. Lena approaches Barry and embraces him from behind while he plays the harmonium. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff.
1: Good stuff, my dude.
0: Um, So what do you think, Jeremy? You, you know, we both loved this movie when we were watching it, you know, with with all the PTA movies. Yeah. What do you think of it now? Are you still a fan?
1: Yeah, it, it to me it's as good if not better with every watch. I think. I think this is a film that actually gets better with every watch for the most part. Um I'm going to give it a a 3.75, I think. Ugh, nah, I'm going to give it a 4. I think it's a 4. I think it's a perfect movie. Just about a perfect movie. Um Yeah. This is a, a you know, a huge this is again. Yeah. Again, it's also like, just like with me, like it wasn't my favorite PTA and it it slowly has like crept up the list as time goes on. Um, and I feel like it did that with, with the same thing with the public too. Like the public, I don't know if they really got this movie when it first came out. You can see that reflected in the box office numbers, but then you see that this movie has totally found an audience as time has gone on. You know, people have come around on this movie in a big, bad way. Um, in a way that they might have fallen off of certain films of his, you know. So I think I don't know. I I love it. It was it was cool to revisit it. What about you?
0: Oh yeah, you know I'm doing that four out of four. Heck my dude. yeah, dog. I like this movie more and more every time I watch it. It's just one of those. I'm with you. Every year, once a year. Yeah. Throw on Punch Drunk Love. I'll do the same with After Hours too. Mm-hmm. Great film. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and just like. Truly, I I can't remember if I talked about this on the first um, uh, episode we did on this movie, but I remember when Punch Drunk Love came out, I was like, you know, thirteen or whatever, and um, I was just, you know, I loved Adam Sandler, and 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 was just. He was my favorite, you know, comedian and actor and and whatever. And I remember seeing, like, commercials for Punk Dr- Punch Drunk Love. Right. And at the time, being like, what is this? This looks like, what is the name Punch Drunk Love, first of all? What does that mean? What, why does it look like Adam Sandler's not being, like, silly? And it was this, I was, like, overwhelmed with curiosity for, like, literally years until I finally was able to like go to a, you know, video store and rent it. And, uh, I think the first time that I watched this movie, I, I, to be honest, I was probably a little bit like just not even knowing what to expect. I was probably just like, not that I didn't like it or that I liked it, but was just like maybe confused right? or, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't remember my first viewing of this movie, but I gotta imagine it was it was I was like a little bit confused, um, but now I mean I've seen this movie many times and it just gets better. Um, so yeah, go back and listen to our, our previous episode on the film if you want to hear more about the, um, you know, the various uh, production facts. Uh, we talk a lot about uh, uh, that stuff and 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 uh, PTAs, you know, uh, uh, all the weird. Things that he did in the film to make it uh, as as good and crazy as it is, um, Jeremy. So next we are we we are going back to Martin Scorsese, and do you happen to remember what we're covering next for the San, or for the uh, Scorsese
1: man? I believe it's uh, Color of Money. Is that right? Am I right about that? Is it the Color of Money? <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, it is The Color of Money.
1: All right.
0: <laughs> hey, spoiler alert. It's green. It's
1: green, baby.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm excited unless to cover this. I've never seen it. Unless we're talking coins, then, we're going, then it's silver.
1: Could be, could be.
0: Yeah, Color of Money is one that I've uh, never seen and never even re- don't even really know much about. Yeah, I know it's a sequel and, uh, to The
1: Hustler, but other than that, I don't really know.
0: Oh, is it really? It's
1: a sequel to another movie, Yeah. Huh. Very making it making it again for me a, a very interesting sort of artifact. I'm I'm excited to look at this movie though and see because I know people like it in a way that maybe you know maybe it has an audience outside of just Scorsese fans. You know, starring yeah. Tom Cruise and whatnot.
0: Oh yeah. Well, which month has taken flight over on the Patreon? Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy. We're having a great time over there. If you're curious to check out our bonus content, you can sign up for five bucks. And uh, you could literally go back and listen to all of our, you know, years of bonus content and then end the subscription before the next month if you wanted to. We don't think you will, though, because we think you'll love what you're hearing and you'll stick around. But either way... It's a great way to support the show. We enjoy doing it. We want to keep doing it. And uh, we do some really weird stuff over there on the Patreon. So check that out. Jeremy, anything going on over there in Jeremy land that you want to plug?
1: Nah, Jeremy land is all good. Uh, Just, you know, um, excited about what we got going on this month of October. This is always my favorite month here on the Patreon. So uh, get into it. Get into that ecosystem. Uh, Understand it Learn it Love it You know
0: Yes Learn it Love it Mm -hmm. Subscribe to it Patreon.com Slash Eric and Jeremy And Norma I'll see you in my dreams